bills make me wanna shout. Kick your heels up and shout. Welcome back, Bills fans, to another exciting episode of Bills and Beers, the Buffalo Bills podcast here from the Bills backers of Chicago, Illinois. Big win over the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. We're all real excited to talk about it. Joining me tonight, Cassie Hutton, almost called you Cassie Ozark, is here with us. It's official. I am now Hutton. And uh, the president of the Bills backer, Sujit, not with us. He's having some uh, GI issues this evening. But Billy the Kid is here tonight. Howdy, partners. And I'm Lars. We uh, can be found at BillsAndBeers.com. Tell all your friends in Bills Nation to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. We got the Finns coming up. We got the Jags in our wake. Go Bills. Pretty ugly win on Sunday over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Lest we forget that we were pretty much an Aaron Williams strip on the goal line away from that being a game that we were right down to the wire in. Uh, We still only won by one score, but we did win. E.J. Manuel in the first three possessions of the game looked absolutely deplorable. And then he turned around quite nicely, 17 for 20 for 193 yards and two touchdowns is not a bad day for anybody. But it begs the question, which which EJ can we expect to show up? And against halfway decent teams, if he starts that slow, we're simply not going to win. So, Cass, we've now seen him for 10 games. Where are you at with the EJ Manuel experiment thus far? So we had a, a drive up to the suburbs on Sunday after the game, and of course, you know, plugged in the, uh, the iPhone so we could listen to the post game. And it was very interesting because Marone made a comment that, you know, they really are focusing and concentrating on starting EJ off well. And it's really, you know, been very apparent to them that they need, that's something that they need to focus and concentrate on. In my perspective, I think that's the wrong thing. Because I think that now it's in EJ's head, like, ooh, I, I start off badly. And now it's just, oh, like, going over and over and over again. Oh, I need to make this pass. And he, let the kid loose, man. Like, let him do what he does. That's what you do in the like rest of the game, you know, every other possession basically after the first two or three, and he did fairly well. So I don't know if it's him starting off slowly or the coaches and him not meshing or something like that, but in my opinion, I think, you know, he played three quarters of that game extremely well. Um, he started off a little slow, but I, you know, may put some of that blame onto the coaches. So I'm, I'm positive. I think it's good. They're talking, you know, oh, we need a draft a quarterback. We need, I, I don't think we're there yet. I, 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 don't, I don't think we're even close to there yet. So, Bill? Oof, well, uh, it's really hard to say because, um, again, I mean, this is, this is the first game where we started to see, like, the bubble screens return, and they, they didn't do anything, right? I mean, they were – Yeah, on yeah. Oh, was he awful. was – it was it was really poor. I mean, he th- and he threw that one pass like way the hell over TJ. I think it was TJ's head. Yeah, first pass of the game. Um, so first pass of the game. Yeah, and then a couple passes behind receivers. So obviously, you can't blame that on Hackett. Um, and uh, you know, we were trading texts about that. Uh, with that said, you know, it's again first year guy. We as Bills fans like our eternal optimists and like we see this shiny new object and think it's the, you know, we want this person to be our savior and we want it all right now. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I think we gotta, we gotta give them time. And unlike other, uh, unlike in other years or other players, I mean, we as Bills fans tend to like, just like run players out of town, right? Like we don't let them develop and, uh, 
assuming, you know, we just have to place our trust, I guess, in, that the right plays are being called and that he's got the right weapons around him uh, in order to have success. But, you know, I think the jury, the jury's still out and we'll know, we'll know, I would say, s- halfway through next season mm-hmm. yeah. whether we've got to, you know, start making a plan B. Well, there's a couple things I want to touch on there. The screen, I'm glad you mentioned, because Cass, you've been among the more vocal fans calling for screens all year. And I don't mean to say I told you so, but some of us were sitting there going, I'm not sure that we have the personnel to run screens. And this, I think, is where we are missing Andy Levitri the most. Um, Bill, you mentioned weapons around EJ Manuel. Personally, I'm not necessarily convinced that we have all the weapons around EJ Manuel. And I think a lot of that starts up front. Um, it was pretty much universally agreed upon in Bill's Nation for the last couple of years that Ryan Fitzpatrick did a great job of making the offensive line look better because he got the ball out so quickly and was very decisive with his throws. I don't know why it's a surprise to anybody that now that he's gone and we have a rookie back there that the offensive line looks downright terrible. Left guard is a major situation right now. It's a huge problem for the Bills. And Eric Pierce is having a pretty bad season. So... I absolutely think that we need some guys in the trenches. We might also need a wide receiver, maybe a better tight end. We have Tony Moliaki, who's probably going to play this weekend. That'll be exciting. And one last thing I want to touch on. You said, I don't know if it's necessary, necessarily a time to draft a quarterback. A guy I was hoping would have come out last year who did not, Aaron Murray out of Georgia, who's a little nicked up right now. If he's there in the second round, I say take him. I'd... No way do we use our first pick, our first round pick on a quarterback. But if a guy like him is there in the second or third round, I have no problem with filling out our roster with a quarterback. Yes, we have Kevin Cobb, but we still have Thad Lewis and Jeff Toole. And you and you need some, some better guys back there, some people to rely on in case the EJ Manuel experiment doesn't work out or in case he gets hurt. He's now had three sprained knees. He sprained his knee again on Sunday. So he hasn't even shown yet that he can stay healthy. Here's a question for you. Uh, did Thad, did Thad Lewis in his games played, game played, games played, games, games. games played, give you more, uh, give more positive signs than EJ has given you? I don't know. I mean, that's tough. Um, I mean, the, the, the Browns game that he came in was absolutely abysmal. He didn't play in the Browns. Or, oh, no, that was Tool. Yes, you're right. Tool coming in in the Browns game. But, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't. I have more trust, more confidence, and plus, Thad Lewis has been around the league, so kind of feel like if he was meant to be somewhere or, or was halfway decent, someone would have picked him up, or he would have been named a starter, or you know, made his way through the chain. Like uh, McCown. Well, McCown's been in the league, I think, for like six years. Thad Lewis has only been in the league for like two or three. But I will say... What I'm saying is, like, if a player is, like, passed up or hops around teams... Oh, no, I, no, of course, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, no, that doesn't mean any. I mean, look at Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn now has the Green Bay Packers' all-time record for biggest comeback, most touchdowns in a game, and most yards in a game. On a team that has Aaron Rodgers, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL, probably will go down as being one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Brett Favre, who is one of the agreed-upon greatest quarterbacks of all time, and Brett Starr. That is a franchise with storied quarterback history, and some guy named Matt Flynn, who was cut in less than three months by the Raiders, the Seahawks, and the Bills, he's still coming in and lighting up. So I don't think the, I don't think you look at a guy's past, where he's yeah. been, and who's, who's, who's been doing it with the, as a marker of success. I will, however, to answer your question, 
I think that with Thad Lewis, we were in a completely different frame of mind watching those games. So when he did fumble, which he did do frequently, when he did throw really bad interceptions, it was kind of like, huh, well, what'd you expect? And I don't, when EJ makes a mistake, we're getting to the point now where it's, we kind of have that attitude a little bit, but it's more like, oh God, this guy, this kid better get it together. So I think our, our patience was much, was much more, or we had a longer fuse, I should say, with Thad Lewis. I'm surprised more stink is not made about the irony in uh, Jameis Winston winning the Heisman, Florida State quarterback, the year after we draft a F- Florida State quarterback. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty that, ironic. That was redshirted to sit behind <laughs> yeah. EJ Manuel. I mean, it's hilarious. Who, by the way, couldn't beat Christian Ponder up the depth chart. Yeah. Well, another thing to touch on, too, from Sunday's game, uh, we'll, we'll come back to offense and, and where areas of need are and where we think we're at with EJ because there's lots to be said. Our defense, however, so our defense is now, I mean, it's done a 180 in a couple areas. Um, sacks. We are, we are number one in the NFL in sacks. For the four years, pro- we might have four guys on our roster get double-digit sacks this year. Between Mario, who's already there, Jerry Hughes, who's now one away, Kyle Williams, who's only two away, and Marcel Darius, who's only two or three away. We could have four guys with double-digit sacks, which for Bills fans, if you'd watched the team in the five or six years prior, is unheard of. They've done a complete 180 there. We're also, I think, second or third in the league in interceptions. But something that's suddenly crept back into the defense's repertoire, or whatever anti-repertoire is that we started seeing in the Falcons game are these long runs for touchdowns, which we just didn't see in the first 12 weeks of the season. Now they're kind of creeping its way back in. Uh, I think most people tell you that's a linebacker issue. And to be frank, I'm shocked that Kiko Alonso has made it this long without hurting himself or getting hurt out there. Doug Marone says he's very good at taking care of his body. But it looks like we're going into another offseason with linebacker still in need for this Buffalo Bills team. I would, I would totally agree with you. I mean, uh, the, our front four, three, or whatever we're rushing, I think they're solid. I mean, but you got to have somebody to back them up if they're missing a tackle because they're not going to make tackles every single time. I mean, offensive linemen are going to push them off, and, and they're going to be holes. So I, I think, you know, Kiko at the beginning of the year has, was, you know, looking to have a remarkable rookie rookie year. And it's still a pretty decent rookie year for him. But I think he's really tapered off in the second half of the season. And sometimes it's like, well, is Kiko even out there? Like, where is he? You know, he's missing some tackles. And so um, I, I, I would totally agree. I think that's, like, number one most important position, in well, my opinion. I agree, and but, oh, I don't know if it's number one. I think left guard is, and but we'll get to that in a second cast because I know you and I don't share the same opinion for how one acquires an offensive lineman. Yes. Um, but I'll, I'll send this over to you, Bill, with this. Kiko Alonso was drafted to be a weak side linebacker. He was not drafted to be an inside linebacker. He played his way inside. But I think if you can imagine that guy on the outside running free with Manny Lawson on the other side being solid and setting the edge and then getting a – stout, big, thick middle linebacker to plug things up in the middle, that's a pretty good linebacking core. Kiko Alonso, with the legend of Kiko and everything else, has become a fan darling, and I don't think anybody really wants to go out there and criticize the guy, but would we be better off finding a middle linebacker to replace him so we can put him on the weak side where he might actually be better for this team? 
the question becomes, do the Buffalo Bills try to get cute with that pick, or do they just go straight for it, keep the hometown boy in town, bring in the Mack truck, Mack daddy, whatever we're calling him. What's his first name? Khalil. Khalil Mack. I have not seen, I'll tell you what, I've not. I've got to watch some YouTube videos on him because, I mean, I've heard how hard he hits. I want to see how mean he is. Like, I, want a, I want a Patrick Willis mean, a bruiser. I don't know if he is. Is he? Um, by all accounts, he is the real deal. Okay. And by all accounts, he is a physical specimen, which leads me to believe that after workouts, after pro days and everything else, when, when people see this guy up close – I don't think he's going to be around when we pick. But the problem is he's an outside guy. I, I totally hear you, Bill. And if, if we can find a middle guy later in the in the draft, or maybe even one through free agency, because, Cass, I do think that's a good place to find a linebacker, not an offensive lineman. Um, I, I, I would love to see Khalil Mack in Mike Pettin's scheme, but I would love to see a like a big, thick, kind of like a London Fletcher player out there for this defense. Like a stable like London Fletcher. Right. So he would be nice. Not, he's not that big, huh? So I will say, and I don't know if we're ready to transition into our bummers of the week. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, getting into my Jenny Cremail bummer of the week, and you know what? He's starting to sit right there next to Stevie, and I know he had the big pick at the end of the game. Thank you. But Stephon Gilmore. Is pretty well. Yeah, uh, oh man, really? I don't know if this. I don't know if this is the right time to start picking on him because he's de- like the last six quarters. He's been. I you know I sometimes out there I just feel like he doesn't know what's going on. I I just I don't know for a first rounder, first round draft pick. I at, at cornerback. I I just I don't know. I'm expecting more, and I expect him to make the hits and make the plays and, and it for it to be normal. So I, I don't know. I just I again this past weekend I was just like oh Gilmore oh Gilmore oh Gilmore. He did make that great play at the end of the game, but, but thrown right to it. Yeah, correct, right. But still, he's my my bummer of this week. Uh, so there's a lot of bummers on this team. Uh, my bummer of the week though uh, is <laughs> can't say Stevie Johnson. <laughs> Kind of was TV. No, my bummer of the week is going to be uh, TJ Graham again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what is the point of even having him out there? (laughs) He literally does nothing. I think he was like open a couple times, but obviously EJ doesn't like have any trust in him either. The guy's just a little weenie. There, there is, there is, there is without a doubt a Chris Kelsey scenario going on there with TJ Graham. He is doing something in practice or he's doing something on film that we don't see as fans because everybody is asking the same question. What is he doing out there? So with having some faith in the coaching staff, I can't give it to him. I am going to give it to Eric Pierce or, or Doug Ligurski or Craig Urbrook or any of the other guys on our offensive line who have been stinking it up. I'm tired of watching defensive linemen run free in the backfield and get a handful of Freddie or CJ's jersey when they're still two yards from the line of scrimmage. Um, it's been it, Again, we talked about this last week, but our, our running attack on paper looks great. If you watch these games, you would not in a million years think that we were a top-five rushing team because they just can't get it going. Um, on the flip side, I'll start off with the Labatt Blue MVP of the week, 
And mine is going to be more of a uh, Best Director Oscar type pick. I'm not giving it to him for his performance on Sunday, per se, although he did have a great game on Sunday. I'm giving it to him for the entire 2013 season thus far, and that's my boy Nikel Roby, the undrafted rookie free agent who right now is, without a doubt, the best nickel cornerback on our, on our team. And I've heard people call him the best cornerback in the NFL or excuse me, the best um, nickel corner in the NFL, or one of them. The guy's only 5'7", like 170 pounds, but, um, and I forget, he has a funny nickname pertaining to his small stature, but either way, the guy plays way bigger than he is. He got a sack, he had a strip, um, he's got a pick six, pick six this season. I mean, talk about finding the diamond in the rough in Nikel Roby, and I'm really glad that he's on our team. You know, I was going to go, you know, with a guy right next to him, Aaron Williams, um, who I think had a remarkable game and then went out, you know, with the ribs and, and the... Do we have an update on that yet? I don't, I don't know. I haven't heard. Um, so I, I was going to go him because yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I think he had a great game. But I'm going to go offensive side of the ball and go Frank the Tank. Ooh, good pick. He had, and he has been doing... Remarkable. He's been a great addition to the team. They're finally starting to utilize him, whether, you know, um, option running plays and various little short screens and short, short throws. I mean, that's how he scored his first touchdown. Um, I, I think he's been great. He's, uh, he reminds me a little of, oh, God, this is like eight years ago. We had like an old, was it, it's like a tailback um, who was sure handed. Forget what he is. He was like at the tail end of his career and he had the best hands. In the NFL, I'm trying. I gotta. I'm. I'm gonna look it up. Um, but he's reminding me a little of him. I like having him back there. I like having somebody you can count on and somebody to kind of throw throw the game out of position. So Frank the Tank, way to go. Love the play calls to Frank the Tank too. Yeah. Uh, that, that was fantastic. He's good at executing. Uh, like they, uh, we did the. We did the QB sneak right after uh, we handed off to Frank the Tank, right? Mm-hmm. Which was like probably completely unexpected because he was back there two plays in a row. So they're like, oh shit, we better watch out for this guy. And then all of a sudden, EJ has a wide open lane to the uh, to the end zone. Uh, my Labatt Blue Player of the Week this week is uh, Robert Woods. Uh, a uh, you know guy just had a stellar game, and you again don't know whether or not like EJ he was just the guy that like EJ felt comfortable with and the guy that he was looking toward. Uh, but uh, hey, I mean, doesn't even matter. Uh, all the well, I mean, what he did was catch balls, and uh, I don't think he had any drops, did he? I don't think so. So, I don't think so. Robert Woods, uh, Good pick. once again showing up, Stevie Johnson. <laughs> wow. At this point, it's becoming a pig pile on Stevie Johnson. Um, obviously, most people in Bills Nation know by now that his mother did pass away. As we said before going live here, that doesn't really affect us as as fans of this team or what we can and can't say about the guy because it's not like he's in the room with us. But there's no real reason to, to criticize him at, anymore at this point. I have no idea what they're going to do with him in the offseason, but I love the chemistry that EJ and Robert Woods are developing. I love the chemistry that they're developing with Marquise Goodwin. And I think if we can get another big-body wide receiver rookie next year, I don't know what this Tony Moliaki guy is going to come in and a tight end. I'd love to see how... EJ and these receivers can all kind of develop together. Well, a win is a win is a win. I'll take it. I don't really care where our draft position is. We got to set forth culture of winning in Buffalo best we can. And we got two division games coming up starting this week at home. Last home game of the season. I will be there. Are you going to be there, Bill? 
for this Dolphins game? Yeah. No, I'm not. Oh. I'll be there. Um, and I'm thinking win, but we'll talk about it now. Uh, so we're playing the Dolphins. Dolphins are 86. Dolphins are fighting for a playoff spot still, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so obviously this is this game is crucial to them. Uh, means nothing to us other than the fact that again we're trying to sort of dissect this team, see who uh, is going to float to the top as uh, winners, see who is going to um, float to the bottom or not float to the sink okay. to the bottom, <laughs> sink to the bottom as losers in Doug Marone's eyes, um, maybe our eyes. And uh, we, we're probably going to kill them. <laughs> we're probably going to win this game uh, 31 to 17. Uh, I don't know what to expect this week. I haven't had my premonition yet. Um, I, can, I can see it going either way because the Dolphins do have something to play for, and Tannehill's not a bad quarterback. Um, they were the most sacked team in the NFL when we played them last time, and we only got to them twice. Uh, there were two huge plays at the end of the game, one being a strip sack that set up the winning field goal from Dan Carpenter. That was a game on the road. That was a huge win for our team. Uh, EJ has not faced off against these guys yet. Uh, I liked what EJ was able to do against the Jets the second time you saw him, which, you know, it's only, we only have one game to go off, but thus far when he gets to see a team twice, he does pretty well the second time, but he doesn't have that luxury this time. I don't know. I don't. The weather's supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be snowy. The one thing that concerns me, though, is they're playing in the Ralph. We play really well in the Ralph because of the crowd, but I don't think there's going to be much of a crowd. Like I said, I'll be there, but I don't know if it's going to be a real rockin' place. And I think if it was, we'd win handed, handily, handily, handedly. But I don't know. I, I have mixed feelings in so far. It's only Tuesday. We'll, we'll see it as the week progresses. So... My premonitions is their little white boy wide receiver Heartline is that his name. Oh God, oh, God. he's gonna run all over Gilmore, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> However, I do think we will beat them. I think that they're they're coming off a big win against New England. They're coming up to Buffalo. They don't like this cold weather. Not that our guys like it anyways either, but they're getting a little more used to it. Um, and I just, I don't know. I, I see a, a, a victory here. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah. And we're talking about a Dolphins team. Yeah. We're talking about a Dolphins team that started the season 0 and 4, I think. Um, and yeah, they did just come off a very big win against like, uh, the Patriots team who somehow Tom Brady almost made it happen on the last drive of the game, needing a touchdown for the win. He's still putting together these miracle drives with virtually no weapons on offense. I mean, it's, I got to hate that team. I hate that guy, but I think it's a great point. They have to now go on the road. You know, the Marone's going to have our boys in the elements this week right now for practice, something that Miami won't benefit from. But again, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where we stand, um, with this team, but, uh, um, we we touched on it before about needs for next year. I don't even know if there's going to be guys that we're going to be cycling through the lineup like we thought before, trying to get a good look. I would like to see this Tony Moliaki guy play. Who knows? Yeah, I think a guy that uh, we're going to evaluate some more is Bradham uh, to see whether he steps up and can uh, 
you know, start taking care of that position a, a little bit more, see what type of guy we really got in him. Because uh, from my understanding, he's getting more playing time now and less playing time for Arthur Motes, right? Both of those guys need to figure it out. So who knows? Uh, if, but you know, if I think that's a good thing, if if he if he steps up, that's one thing, one less thing we have to worry about. Or maybe we realize that uh, he can, you know, Kiko can stay in the middle and Bradham can hold, you know, one side, and then we only need an outside linebacker. Not sure. We'll be evaluating him. We'll be evaluating TJ some more. And frankly, the writing's on the wall with him, right? I mean, what's he? He he's, doesn't get any receptions. He's horrible. Well, I'll tell you, we're sitting in like the 300-level section, so I'll have a all 22 few, which I, the last time I was at a Bills game, well, the last time we went to that Jets game in 2010, that was the last game I went to. Oh, God, that was the most awful game. That was a terrible game. The, the season before that, I went to the, um, I think it was the season before that, it was when I went to the, uh, 49ers game in the rain that was a terrible game but in both of those games it was it was quite apparent that we were just flat out missing open receivers all over the field so I I will have a good eyeball on that and I'm going to be watching uh, number 11 specifically so we've talked on this podcast over the last couple weeks about who the most surprising player is who the most valuable player has been but this team is still five and nine, um, and it's been a real rough road to five and nine for these guys. Who, who has been, in your opinion, the biggest letdown this season? Of coaches, of players, of anybody on this team? Who do you think has had? We'll look at it two ways. Who's had the biggest negative impact on this team, or who do you think should be playing a lot better than than they are right now? Give you guys a second to think. Easy. Okay, all right. That's, that's in my opinion that's like the easiest question to answer on this season. I mean, it's I think it's obvious. It's CJ Spiller. Okay. I mean, hands down. The guy was projected to have, you know, another breakout season and he he it was crazy though. We always talk about this is he puts up some pretty good numbers, but when you watch him in the game, it's the most hard hard and depressing thing because he'll he just runs the outside and 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 gets tackled for a two-yard loss or one-yard loss or two-yard gain I mean I I don't know I don't know he just is the most frustrating player and then they'll put in Fred Jackson and it's like up eight yards up 12 yards up you know all and it's just it's so frustrating to watch so in my opinion if we dealt CJ I mean what isn't he in a contract year He's he signed through 2015. 2015. I mean, if we dealt him, I, I, I know, I know you're not going to do it, but but I don't know. He's been a, a, just a really big disappointment in my eyes this year. Before we get okay, I will I will say this with if if you want to see what CJ in another uniform will look like, look no further than Reggie Bush in Detroit this year, and what the right guy with, with the guy with those kind of physical talents can do in the right system. Trent Richardson though. Trent Richardson never had the physical abilities. I mean, CJ and CJ and Reggie Bush were both home run guys in college, and whatever coaching scheme, CJ not needing or CJ needing a season and a half to learn a playbook, which he did under Chan Gailey too. 
I don't know what it is. I agree with you. He's not I, another big thing we already talked about in this episode. Offensive line's yeah. been terrible no, this no, year. No, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Freddie. I don't know, and, and and maybe it's just the pure fact that I love Freddie. I think he's one of the most consistent players out there, and I would love to see him in the Buffalo Bills uniform until literally he cannot walk. Um, even they brought him in a coaching staff also. Like, I just think he's such a classy, great guy and a great player and very consistent that it just, when you see CJ out there and he doesn't perform in that magnitude, it, it just, it gets so frustrating when you know he can't, when you know he has every potential and yeah. he, he has been banged up. Well, I'll tell you what, he's not going anywhere. Yeah. He's not going anywhere, but can the guy stay healthy? Yeah. He's just, uh, he's just... He's weak. He needs a perfect play call, yeah. whereas Freddie needs a decent play call to make something of it. Yeah. Everything has to align in order for C.J. Spiller to, including his you know, mental ability to see the right path to take and actually going out and hitting it. Biggest disappointment for me is, uh, is going to be probably Stevie. Yeah. I think... It's just been one of those things we continue to – he's been held in such high regard for so long that you know you look toward the beginning of this season as we're looking forward to it and talk about him. We still talk about him as being excited. You know, we're excited about him. You could argue – I know I would try to argue that he's, he's like top 10 wide receiver even though I would never really look at the numbers. Uh, I would still at least try to make that argument. And so we had a lot of positivity, I think, still, even though there were some questions out there on him. But it's, it's, it's become clear that uh, he is not helping this team. Mm-hmm. And I think, in actuality, he's hurting this team, which we talked about last week in his how he maybe he's not vocally uh, disrupting the locker room, but he's, he's, certainly, uh, he's certainly not helping. I know I was there. Um, well, I, I'm surprised neither of you uh, mentioned this guy because he's – tell you what. If we get rid of this guy in the offseason, it's, it's going to be a big move because he's, he's, a, he's a big part of our team. But I think that we'll benefit more than we could ever possibly lose from him, which as of right now is next to nothing. And when we hired him in the first place, I wasn't too thrilled because he did a real shitty job in Detroit. And I'm talking, of course, about Danny Crossman, our special teams coordinator. We have Leotis McKelvin, a dynamite punt returner. We've got a guy who literally has world-class speed returning kickoffs, and we haven't generated a single special teams touchdown this year. We had to fire our punter halfway through the season because he wasn't getting it done. Now we have Mormon coming in, and thank God Suge is in here because I'm tired of watching Mormon stink up the place. I have been now since 2009. So we need an overhaul of special teams. Dan Carpenter, hey, Dan Carpenter gets the Nikel Roby Award of Excellence as far as I'm concerned. He's been great. He's been awesome. But outside of him, our special teams have been have been terrible. Well, I can't say terrible because we're used to the Bobby April days of having dominant special teams. But we have we have two of the best return guys, or potentially two of the best return guys our, in the NFL. Our coverage, our coverage has been, been very good. Yeah. I would say, dude. I mean, easily that was okay. That was Jim Leonard. They, that I was mean, okay. I, I agreed to a point. That was much more the case in the in the beginning part of the season, but certainly not on punt returns. Cause it, is, it more, is it more a function of, of the league? I, w- I would be interested to see like league-wide what those numbers are because mm-hmm. with the amount of uh, um, roughing the kicker 
calls. There's more guys that are that are back uh, blocking. Can't wedge anymore. You know, none of that stuff's going on. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Hester has been non-existent this year in Chicago. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. All I know is. Frank Summers has been getting an earful from Marquise Goodwin because he doesn't. He keeps turning around and tell him to not run it out when the balls go deep, and Marquise wants to take one. And then on he, he did on Sunday. Where did he get? No, he got one. Frank Summers ran five yards out of the end zone, looking over his shoulder at Marquise Goodwin, trying to determine whether or not they're actually going to do this. So yeah, Marquise Goodwin only made it to the 15 yard line because his lead blocker, who should be coached up to go find as many people and take them out of the play as possible, is quite literally looking the wrong way. He was he was turned back over his shoulder. I, I sent you guys text messages about it because I'm watching. I'm like, what what are you doing? And you know this guy wants to take it out. Just like throw him a bone. In fact, don't make don't give that guy the assignment. Don't let him be the one yeah. to determine. Tell him, Frank. I don't care if it's in the third row. He boots so far out of the back of the end zone that they have to find a new ball because they can't even locate the one that they just blasted into oblivion. I want you to be running as fast as you can and blocking as many people as you can to make room for this guy. It's not your decision whether to take it out or not. So I think it's a coaching issue. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? I didn't like the Danny Carrasman thing, and I've been completely underwhelmed by our special teams this year. Well, I just remember when he was hired. I I, I don't know. To to I won't. I don't think I can argue too hard against your uh you know hatred on Danny Crossman but I'm certainly not going to argue for the guy. I know when he was hired <laughs> it was laughable because you look at you look at where he's been and what he's done and he's been horrible. Well, we got the Dolphins coming into town. Um like I said, I'll be at the game. I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to tailgate yet. Uh Jack and I are going just the two of us, but uh I think it's time to get into uh, predictions and wild card now. Winding down this week's episode, so that means we're getting into the wild card portion of this week's episode. It's the wild card. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure what the recording situation is going to be next week. We're all going to be in, in different corners of the U.S. of A., so I don't think we're going to be recording here together. So, as of Sunday, with the Dolphins' win over the Patriots... The Bills are now officially eliminated from the playoffs. So it is now officially time to look forward to the new year. And every time the calendar switches over another year, we like to get together and make resolutions, make promises to ourselves for something we're going to do in our lives to be better in the coming year. So, Bill, in 2014, what will be your Buffalo Bills New Year's resolution? No more Toronto games. Good. Plain and simple. Look no further. You know, this is a hard one. You know, I'm thinking, like, losing weight, eating healthy. What does that have to do with the Buffalo Bills? I don't know. I'm going to go on the simple road that Bill did. Make the motherfucking playoffs. Nice. I like that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um... I'm going to make mine more personal. Oh, how nice would that be? Yeah. Right? Yeah. No play, Toronto play, play a game in January. Play a game in 2015. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I'm going to make mine, I, I, you know, and I can actually do this. I think I'm going to write a letter to Russ Brandon. Um, and here's the other thing, too. So um, this is, this is going to get a little personal here. So I met a – I'm not going to mention any names. I met Mr. Brandon. 
And I've met a higher-up executive in the Buffalo Bills organization at a Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, work event that my firm was helping do communications for. And I met some of these people, and I said, oh, and by the way, I'm very active in the Chicago Bills backers, and oh, by the way, we do a podcast. We've been doing one for five years. And like the reception I got was kind of like, oh, that's nice. And the follow-up emails were cordial, going back and forth with this executive. This executive knows I'm coming on Sunday, but just leave it at that. No big whoop. Now, I'm not saying that the Buffalo Bills need to roll out the red carpet for yours truly, (laughs) but how often do they get a fan who does a fan blog that they've been maintaining for five years in the third largest market in the United States come up to them, and how often do you get the opportunity to be an ambassador for your brand and actually do something? They sent out this thing like, do you want to be a a fan ambassador, blah, blah, blah. One of the things I want to send back was like, yeah, some of your best Bills fans aren't living in Buffalo right now. Sure. They're in other cities, and they spend just as much money on this team and are just as devoted as everybody else. But you guys do nothing for people who are outside the city. And, I mean, would it, would it hurt Russ Brandon to do a little road show over the summer? Him and a couple of the players get on a plane, sign some hats, come out to Chicago, go to New York City, go down to Washington, D.C., go to point. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I mean, I feel like, yeah, we want to expand into southern t- Toronto – all across the nation are Bills backers, yeah. and like, what I, only, I kind of feel a little slighted here. Yeah, we're the we're the only uh, team that has backers bars in Iraq and like fucking like every every country out there. There's a Bills backers bar. Every state there's a Bills backers. Bar. Yeah, and you know. I might write a le- I, so my resolution is going to write a letter to Russ Brandon and be like, hey, by the way, like I know you know it. Like you've seen all the YouTube videos of people going nuts. Like people go to the bar on Sundays. Like people who live in the Buffalo market get to watch the games at home. Like we will have to give up hours out of our day, spend forty, fifty dollars at a bar somewhere just so we can watch this team be shitty every year. And I've never seen any effort from the Bills organization to acknowledge people like us. And the thing is, with other teams, it's really easy. Like Kansas City, huh? Pretty easy to be a fan this year. Denver, easy to be a fan. Chargers, pretty easy. I mean, the only other people is maybe the Browns. Like, maybe Browns fans. And I don't know really any Browns backers bar or really any no. passionate Browns fans in the city. And, and we're, we're three and a half, four hours away from, from Cleveland. There are way more people from Cleveland in Chicago than Buffalo. Um, and I wholeheartedly agree. And and so when you when you have a team like the Bills and you have dedicated fans that haven't been seen a playoff game in over a decade, ten years, like you should support that. I totally agree with you. And I it's a hard it's a hard life that we live in. Everybody every single every single week. And I mean, granted, you guys missed it. The bar was sparse. Yeah. I mean, we had open tables all around us, but we were there. We were supporting, so did I, and we were eating <laughs> chips and salsa, and damn, was that good. And as soon as the so chips and salsa went off the, went off the table, I mean, thing is, got to eat the chips and salsa, which not very hard. It's super tasty. But anyways, yes, I totally agree. And you know what? Sign that letter, your name, and sign it, the Bills Backers of Chicago. I think you're speaking for everybody here. Well, and, and not only that, like, yeah, we've suffered, but like... Lars would sign his name. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to sign my name. Put my home address, too. Um, 
but the, the other thing too is like when I was I did, I ran the Buffalo Turkey Trot because we did Thanksgiving with my, my with my aunt's family, and like when I see people in Bill's gear, I'm like oh 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 oh, but I'm like oh oh that's because I'm in Buffalo. Like you see somebody in Bill's gear here in Chicago, you say go Bills. When I wear my Bills gear out, somebody always says to me always. go Bills. Oh yeah. Okay. It's it's a very un unspoken. Well, but no, not even – it's an outspoken brotherhood here in another city, and we have to wear it on our chins because everybody else here is wearing Bears gear. And the Chicago Bears are probably ta- way less talented than the Buffalo Bills this year. But we've been watching this team for the last decade just pull wins out of their ass that they have no business getting. And so, yeah, we get to watch these people walk around proudly wearing their Chicago Bears gear while we're kind of here cheering for the Buffalo Bills who now haven't made the playoffs in 14 years. So yeah, I think a little I think a little acknowledgement of of the the people who go out of their way to be arguably bigger fans of a team when more's on when more's on the line here. It's it's a, it's a hard thing to be a Bills fan in in the non-Bills. I mean, I get made fun of all the time. Homegirl over here, I got my little lunchbox with the big Buffalo Bills helmet on it and I bring that to work every single day. Summer, spring, Winter, fall, bill season, non-bill season, playoffs, non-playoffs, and I, I am so proud of that lunchbox. And I get comments, I get comments of "Go Bills!" and does that girl really have a Bills lunchbox? And I say yes, hell yes, and I'm damn proud of it. I may take some abuse for it, but my lunch stays nice and cool too. Well, there you have it. My New Year's resolution, on behalf of everybody here in Chicago, New York, Washington, Seattle, San Francisco, Phoenix, Flagstaff, Kansas City, Topeka, everywhere. Go Bills and Russ Brandon. It's about time you acknowledge everybody outside Western New York, Rochester, and Southern Ontario. Miami game coming up. Division game at home. Squish the fish. fish. Bill, you already gave a prediction. You standing by it? 31-17 Buffalo. Cass, coming over to you. 27-7 Bills. I'm going 23-19 Miami. We'll be back next week. (laughs) The New England Patriots. Uh, Like I said, I'll be there. Maybe do a little um, live remote with the wife. Uh, from Ralph Wilson Stadium, but until next time, go Bills. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo. The Bills make me wanna shout.